0: Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me today, one of my best friends, uh, if he will claim to be that, uh, senior writer at ESPN, Kevin Van Falkenberg. Uh And Kevin, we're going to really spend the day talking about Hamilton, which is exciting, right? You, we, we, yes. We are very excited I, about doing this. You just became my best friend by inviting <laughs> me to talk on um, about Hamilton. I think. It's very, very exciting. Uh, but we are in Pittsburgh. Uh, getting ready for the U, uh, U.S. Open. So, uh, it, being sort of a sports person, uh, I guess, uh, I did want to start off by asking you one very quick golf question and then off to Hamilton. Um, and the question is this. We're, we're here in Pittsburgh at Oakmont, uh, and all anybody's talking about is basically the impending doom of the, the world's best golfers, how they're all going to shoot. 10,000 over par and, and, and mm-hmm. maybe, maybe die. I mean, some of them will probably mm-hmm. die. Uh, do you like? <laughs> we this? get a medic out here. <laughs> we, some guys made double on 13. We, we, we need, they're bleeding at 14. That's basically what we mm-hmm. got. Uh, so the question is, and this is no, cause I don't care who you think is going to win because you, you don't know and neither okay. do I. Uh, but okay. I do care. Do you like this? Do you like the U.S. Open golf, especially like in a year like this where the obvious intention is to Humble and 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 frustrate the greatest golfers in the world.
1: I I like it once a year as long as it's reasonable. Like Rory said something yesterday where uh, he said, "You're stressed out standing over every single shot. Like you you never are sort of like relaxed or comfortable. You're just thinking disaster." And what so like I think that's kind of cool because that's how I feel constantly <laughs> on the golf course, like under pressure, like. How how am I going to avoid this from going directly sideways, and going into traffic, or hitting you know an old woman walking a dog by the course? Um, but when it's like when you hit a shot that like basically can't stay on the green because it's so hard, and like I think that's kind of stupid. Like when it's sort of a like it has to be it has to be kind of fair. You, yeah. you have to be able to do the thing that you normally can do.
0: Well, that's that's the real question I have about this because. I'm all for, uh, there should be one tournament a year or two. It doesn't, you know, there could be a couple, I guess. But one tournament, particularly a year, that should be the toughest golf tournament of the year. And the U.S. Open yeah. wants to be that. And I I love that for them. I mean, I think, you know, that's, that's great. You know, the, our national championship should be the toughest golf tournament of the year. And I get it. The problem for me is, especially now, you know, these guys are so good and and they're so good that's their whole slogan on on commercials they're so good mm-hmm. that in order to make it incredibly tough on them they've got to do like kind of ridiculous things like it, you know i mean obviously we're all frustrated playing golf and and none of us you know we we all feel that but we don't have to hit the ball into seven-foot rough, and we don't have to hit it on the greens where where you know you couldn't stop a you know a, a, a thing even if it had like spikes on it, and and we don't have to face sort of unfair conditions. And I don't know if they can make the tournament hard enough if they keep it fair. That's that's really the question yeah. to me. Can you make a golf tournament super duper? Nobody's going to break par hard in today's world with today's equipment and today's golf balls. Can you do that without making the golf tournament unfair?
1: Like packs of wild dogs roaming, like <laughs> you know, going after. you Essentially, if, if you get too too far off path, I don't know. You're right. I mean, I'm always fascinated by that. Like, how does how do you like so study the grass or the greens? Like, how are you that smart? Where you're like, okay, it's like, it seems like you're doing a massive math mass problem, mass problem in your head. Where like. If we do this, this will shave 0.7 strokes off the thing, and and ultimately the score will be plus one or at even par at the end of the day. Like, I guess obviously someone has that job, like Mike Davis, and that's what he's good at doing. But never it never made sense to me, like how they were able to do those calculations. Like, well, here's fair, and here's not fair, and to me the line between that is toxic wild wow, dogs like willing like to eat, tear your ankles up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the great that's the great point. I mean it's like where they put the the pins. Like they always say, well that's a fair pin and that's an unfair pin and the the two pins might be a foot and a half apart, but one is just on the precipice and the other one is kind of over the precipice or whatever. I mean there's so many different elements they could do, but you do wonder if the game, you know, and this is this is a big obviously Jack Nicholas point Uh, as he will rant on and on about the golf ball for several hundred Mm -hmm. hours at a time, Uh, I don't know if they can make it that way. I don't know if they can make the game tough enough for these guys without sort of really just kind of making it silly. And that, to me, is where uh, where it's interesting.
1: What do you think your reaction would be if, like, it was so hard and so unfair? Because they they talk it up at the beginning of, like, every Oakmont open. Like, oh, my gosh, this course is (laughs) the worst. It's, you know, and then... You guys shoot, you know, in the last open, like, guys broke par, like, sure. they shot 68, 67. I think, like, Anthony Kim, you know, God bless him, Marvio, he, he, and Cabrera broke 70. What if, like, that tournament was so hard and so ridiculous, like, the weather conspired with, you know, the elements to make it so hard that all of a sudden, no one could break, uh, 70. Like, there, no one could break 80 the whole time. Like, the lowest score shot in the open was 81. <laughs> do you, how much, what do you think that that would, do I think people would be like outraged? I think they would be so upset if, like, it was like dealt, like bogey was a great score,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, it would really be it, it. The only way I could even imagine it happening is if it was the the conditions. I mean, I remember uh, Carnoustie was like that, uh, for the, for the British mm-hmm. Open one year. The your Tiger, you know, shot 79 and held his arms up in the air because he actually made a putt at the end and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the conditions are that bad, I don't know that people would be outraged, but if it was a Relatively clear day with, you know, some wind, but the conditions were not out of control and nobody, you know, that was whatever. I guess in the year after Johnny Miller, uh, you know, embarrassed everybody by shooting 63 on mm-hmm. Sunday, uh, they had the, the horrible bloodletting the next year where they just made the golf course impossible. So I do think it would, it would frustrate people. I mean, I, I know people want to, watch, and that's really where, where the question is to me. I know people like watching these guys struggle. Uh, they like mm-hmm. watching them suffer a little bit because you know they, we watch them week after week shoot twenty four under par and whatever. So we like seeing them suffer. But to me, the price of what you have to do that isn't worth it. it worth yeah. making them suffer if you make the golf course just kind of silly. You know,
1: I think I think we like watching them suffer in theory more than actual yeah. like practice. Like I think you know, we say like, oh, I want to see these guys like. You know, do what I do, which is this six footers. (laughs) And like, after that happens about six times in a row, you're like, oh, this is horrible.
0: Yeah, it's like, like, I make a putt. It's like, I'm watching my buddies. I'm not paying for this. I mean, it's ridiculous. Right,
1: like, uh, you know, if you and I went out and we played, and, and both of us this you know, both of us made seven on the first hole, we'd laugh about it. But if we made like eight consecutive sevens, we'd kind of be like, well, this is really not that much fun. Can you just go find a putt putt in place to play instead?
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, I, and I really think that there is some. What what I think would be perfect is if on Thursday it was like impossible. Like on like on uh-huh. Thursday, everybody's just going nuts, and then like the rest of the week, it like got normal you know what i mean it's like like on thursday somebody's winning by shooting 77 they're like oh they're in the lead at 77 and then like (laughs) people are shooting 65 the rest of the week you know that's that's the way they should do it but they're not going to do it
1: that way so max hama who's a a, he's a kind of a web.com tour player he's trying to get back on the thing he made a really funny joke earlier this year he said i think once a year the the media should have to play the course that they put them and the players should have to interview them afterwards or whatever. So we were cracking all these jokes about, you know, like uh, Ricky Fowler being like, so tell me about, you know, how, what it was like out there today. And it's like, well, you know, I really I felt that if I posted 95 that no one was going to be able to catch me. And, uh, you know, I just uh, wanted I made a, an amazing double on six. Uh, it was really, you know, a great shot in there. in a four-putt, secured my six.
0: <laughs> but, you know, what's great is after we play a round uh, of golf, We do do that. We do kind of like, you know, we're, we're hey, remember when I beat you? You shot double and I made regular bogey. So I beat you on that hole. And (laughs) I I had that twisting two foot putt that nobody, you know, can make. And, uh, yeah, we, we do. I, I think we're, we're ready for that part of it. I, I've always thought that if we played golf, we couldn't play, but we'd be Mm -hmm. experts in the post game press conference. I, I, I
1: I like, I like the idea of Nicholson interviewing us about shooting (laughs) 106.
0: I think it'd be great. I I've always thought that that these guys that that I I could I could do like if they went out like Mickelson goes out and shoots sixty seven and Mickelson is one of the best as we know in the in the post game press conference I think I could do the post game press conference better than him I think if he sent okay. me in to I'll do like it yeah. I, I could do it better than him.
1: Mm-hmm. You're not buying it. All I right. dig it. I hope I hope I hope in our fantasy life we, can see that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we might be able to see that. All right, so in our fantasy life. You and I mm-hmm. uh, got to see Hamilton uh, with yeah. – we didn't see it together. We should say that. We did not see it yeah, together. We I saw yeah, it first. Separately. Yeah, I saw it first, uh, and then uh, and then you saw it, uh, I guess, just a couple of weeks after. Oh, I
1: yeah. Yeah, we can have 10 days later.
0: All right, so I'll tell my Hamilton story, but you, you okay. tell yours first. So how did it go about – I know that your wife had been dying to see it forever, right?
1: Yes, it was her 40th birthday coming up and uh much like your daughter she sort of had become obsessed with uh my, my wife being 40 and your daughter being 14 uh they both became obsessed with the, the idea of Hamilton and so my wife was like watching the like ham for ham videos on YouTube all the time and like reading everything about it and at some point I realized well nothing now will like be as good as getting her Hamilton tickets I better go see if there's a market for one of my kidneys to pay for them. <laughs> but, uh, just, if I do anything else other than get Hamilton to get her birthday, will be a bit of So yeah. that was when I determined, okay, I got to
0: So if it had been her 39th birthday, do you do
1: it? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. They're sort of like, all right, I, uh, I need to sort of go big on 40. So, uh, you do,
0: yeah. you do, yeah. you know, it's really, it's interesting. You know, I've written about it and, and, uh, you know, so my 14 year old daughter, uh, you know, we had, we had a little bit of a, of a rough year. Um, and, and I really wanted to do something for her. And much in the same way that you're with your wife, um, it was very clear that Hamilton was her, her greatest obsession and really the greatest obsession, I think, of her life so far. Uh, and she's, <laughs> she's had a lot of them, like, you know, Disney princesses and, and, mm-hmm. and whatever, but, for whatever reason, and it's not for whatever reason, it's because it's so awesome and such a, such a unique uh, thing. Uh, She, Mm -hmm. she fell in love with it. And I, and I knew that what I wanted to do was, was get her tickets. And I also knew that in order to do that, you know, I was going to have to basically sell my car and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, so, so once I was able to sort of make peace with that, make peace with the idea that I was going to spend a sum of money that I would never in my life have considered for almost anything, you know? And uh, once I yeah. made peace with that, it was like, all right, well, now let's see how good it is. And I think that's the thing that's amazing about it. Well, well, let me, let me start with this. When did you first hear about Hamilton? I mean, when, when was it sort of your first, your first sense of, of, of Hamilton on Broadway?
1: Um, so my friend Jeff McGregor had profiled, uh, Linda Long Miranda for the Smithsonian magazine. And prior to that, like, I like Broadway a lot. I, I grew up actually like being in plays a little bit, like as the community theater, like I was Hansel and Hansel and Gretel and like, nice. when I was like 11, I was Toto and the Wizard of Oz and was like the comic relief of the Wizard of Oz <laughs> and the of Montana, and a couple other ones like that. And so I'd always kind of like like I was like one of the ones, or jock in my high school, who like like musical theater, and like could <laughs> sing songs from Oklahoma and stuff, uh, and as you could see, that really endeared me to like the defensive life sure, you know, from from uh, who are like we grew up on like ranching farms outside of Lula. but um so I I but I for whatever reason didn't really like know that Hamilton was like a thing thing until like I saw that profile and I was like oh this sounds really weird uh like it sounds like it would be sort of uh you know gimmicky like a rap about the founding fathers like i don't see how that's uh really going to be all that interesting but jeff has really like smart taste and so i was like well like this guy must be like actually someone who's really smart interesting i'll have to kind of follow this and that was kind of i think that was in january or something it was like right as the play was moving to broadway and so in the last you know, six months or so, it's really become like this huge cultural thing, and then Eblin starts showing up on, you know, this night show and, and Colbert and all this stuff, and then it starts snowball. But that that was, I think, the first moment. When was the first moment for you? What's yeah, your, your yeah.
0: Memory? I mean, it was it was similar. Michael, our friend Michael, sure went and saw mm-hmm. it and and wrote, you know, he, he, he tweeted out, you know, how it was the best thing he'd ever seen live, mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it was interesting. I don't know if I'd heard of it at all before them. But if I had, there seems to be a time when I just thought that's stupid. And and I really Mm -hmm. thought, because, because, you know, I mean, as a Broadway aficionado, uh, you know, as, as, as a former Toto, you know, Uh (laughs) lots of weird shows come to Broadway or off Broadway. You're like, Oh, we're doing a Vince Lombardi show. It's all about Vince Lombardi, And Oh, we're doing a show on, you know, now we're doing something on, uh, two brothers who uh you know who can't swim i mean i don't know i'm yeah. not thinking uh, yeah. it.
1: there's like a gloria estefan uh, yeah yeah going on right now and then you know like the i mean there's there's so many different like weird musicals that come and go for for five minutes that you never even care about
0: so exactly and and so it seemed to me to be in that genre it seemed to be being like mm-hmm. okay that's and i did i had never heard of lynn i i i'd, I'd, I'd Vaguely heard of in the heights, but I'd never seen mm-hmm. it or, or was, was unaware of it, uh, beyond sort of just the name. So, you know, I had no idea that this was, you know, one of the most accomplished, you know, musicians of our time and, and, and mm-hmm. sort of dreamers of our time coming up with this. So I wrote it off, even though Michael loved it. I just went, mm-hmm. all right, that's fine. I mean, it's, it's cute, whatever. I never saw the Lombardi show, which I heard was good. By the way, it wasn't a musical, mm-hmm. but, but I heard it was good. Um, uh, <laughs> So, Should have been a musical,
1: frankly. I mean, <laughs> that does not a musical about this. I've already seen
0: Well, then uh, maybe I would have seen it if it was a musical, you know. <laughs> um, so I never saw, there were lots of those, like, kind of gimmicky shows that I just, like, never saw, never really interested in seeing. And then it was, it was unquestionably, it was my daughter, who was Elizabeth, mm-hmm. um, just started singing constantly uh, the songs. Well, it
1: just, why do you think kids got hooked into this? Like, why did it become the thing? Because it's true, like, all I have younger cousins who are, like, hip to this way before I was, whatever. Like, I, I'm i not sure, like, why Why are 14-year-old girls, like, all of a sudden, like, this is the thing?
0: Yeah, I, I asked Elizabeth this exact question. I, I said, What well, what is it about it? And being Elizabeth, she said something like, it just it's cool. So that didn't really <laughs> help at all. I, I really do think, one, it's, it's the music. I mean, the music is so mm-hmm. good. It's just good. You don't... You know, it's the the fact that it's a story. I mean, that's what Elizabeth really did say. It's like, hey, you're you know, you know these names, but you know, and you've studied them a little bit in school. So, in fact, you have like this incredibly cool music that goes along with these names and tells this story. Is is you know, it's it really speaks to 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 her and to all of her friends and and you know, I've heard (laughs) ever since I wrote the piece about going to see Hamilton with Elizabeth. I mean, I've heard from people all over the country and they're all going through exactly the same thing. They all have 14, 15, 16, 13-year-old kids and and they're obsessed with the, with the music yeah. and obsessed with the with the thing. So so I started hearing it and again, I have to say it was like like every so often and you, you know your kids are younger so you don't you haven't seen this yet. Mm-hmm. But what you'll find is they they start getting into stuff and then you just go, well, that's stupid. Like, why are you doing that? And you think they're the only ones. Like, I remember Elizabeth about four or five years ago just started getting into mustaches. Like, that was like her thing. Like, I love mustaches, and like, she always wanted to buy little mustaches and and wear them. And I'm like, well, that's that's stupid. And she started asking me to grow a mustache. Like, what? what is, and then I realized I, I started going to like stores and realizing that in the front of the stores they started having like displays selling mustaches. It's like it wasn't just her. her. It's like all of these kids got into the weird mustache thing. So so I thought it was like that. I just thought, okay, this is some, you know, goofy fad. That's amazing. Yeah. And then I started... I want to read
1: like a New York Times trend story where like Sam Elliott is like the coolest guy on Snapchat (laughs) because of his mustache.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the thing. You know, there's going to be something like that. It's going to be something crazy where, you know, it was sort of like the day that Betty White became cool. It's like, how did that happen? How yeah. did Betty White become cool? It's like, how did Tony Bennett one day, like, hey, Tony Bennett, yeah, swinging, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't get it, but it, but it's like the kids, the kids have some sort of secret thing, I guess we did when we were young, maybe, okay. uh, I don't know if you did, I don't There's know.
1: a secret message board, maybe, where the kids are, well, this
0: is what's going to be cool, coming up,
1: mustaches,
0: and <laughs> it's not even a secret anymore, right, because it's on the internet, so I don't know how they, I don't know how they, uh-huh. know how they uh, it's just something, it's, it's to me, it's like the dark internet, right, it's like the thing we're never mm. even allowed to see. <laughs> so, I'm like, alright, well, she likes it, ahead. whatever, it doesn't, you know, it's fine, and, and you know, and I started listening to it a little bit, oh, yeah, it's kind of interesting, it's kind of fun, and, and and I started listening to it more and more and I realized, one, I realized it wasn't a trend that was going to go away. It was something that she just completely became infatuated with and, and was going to stay infatuated with. And two, I realized this is good. Like, this is really good. It's, you know, it's, 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 he it really does dive into, I mean, obviously it's not, you know, I'm, I'm sure there there are, you know, story after story on the internet about the faux history of Hamilton or whatever and things that aren't Mm -hmm. true or whatever, but he does. He goes into the debt crisis. He goes into whether or not we should, you know, uh, back up France after, you know, after, after, uh, the revolution, uh, you know, it goes into, obviously it goes into the relationship between Burr and Hamilton. It goes into Jefferson and, and, and sort of his, his fights with Hamilton. It goes into Washington and, I mean, it's it's cool. Don't right? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean that. Oh, that, absolutely! Didn't
0: that blow your mind a little bit?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I you know I've, since I've seen it, like I've become a little bit mildly like a little I've become sort of obsessed with reading all the stuff about it. And that he obviously would like take these songs that he had written, and he would go to uh, to Ron Chernow's house, the guy who wrote the biography of Hamilton, and sort of sing them for him, and, and sort of say like, "Am I getting this right? Like, is this true?" to Because I want this to be. True. And so Chernow would like fact check his song and be like, Yep, yep, that's yep, yes, that's accurate. And so like everything, you know, that there's a little bit of artistic license, but like almost everything of it is like all based in fact. Like and that's what's sort of fascinating, is it gets a story that you know a little bit, but like you don't really know. Like I didn't really give much thought at all to Alexander Hamilton other than I thought, oh maybe isn't he the Secretary of Treasury like United? But other than that, I didn't really know anything beyond that. he's like the founding father who was like the fifth beetle, almost.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, th- th- I, you know, I wrote that. I actually, got a, a bunch of uh, people uh, upset about it. Oh, I mean, did
1: I just plagiarize you there? I no, no. I wrote. I wrote beetle. this
0: guy. I didn't write the fifth beetle thing. I like that. Uh, I just wrote he was he was a minor founding founding father. He was just a minor character mm-hmm. in the in the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if we spent. Two minutes on Alexander Hamilton. It was, you know, basically, ah, oh, he started the uh, national bank. Okay, let's move on. And that was it. There was no, he was, he was a pretty minor character. I love the idea, by the way, that Ron Chernow, this, this, this esteemed, um, you know, biographer who has written, you know, about Washington and Hamilton and, and, and is wonderful and a Pulitzer Prize winner and National Book Award winner, that he's like fact checking songs. I, I just find yeah. that to be awesome. <laughs>
1: and just like what fascinates me i guess is that how many layers there are to all the stuff like i think you're talking about the music a little bit before and like every song has kind of its own earworm to it where it just kind of like gets in your head a little bit and then those songs are like those earworms are kind of echoed in the, the other songs throughout the play that have their own earworms in it so it's like it all kind of like fits together into a sort of a layer cake where you know, you're singing like along to like the room where it happens and there's like little sort of snippets from, you know, my shot or like guns and ships or like stuff that's all. And all of a sudden you feel like it's like all one big long song, one big long story. It's just, it's fascinating. And, And the fact that it's all based in fact, you just like, his mind works on such an incredibly high level. I just can't even sort of put it into words almost. Like he writes, lyrics that I think are I think it's fair to say like they're on the level of like Notorious B.I.G. and Eminem oh, sure. and Andre six thousand and and all these like Pantheon level rappers and yet he's also writing pop songs uh you know like Satisfied and and some of the other ones in the room where it happens where you're like wow like this could be performed by like Destiny's Child or this could be a right? song like Elton John could sing and, and so you're right like this is a transcendent like brain in in terms of like musical theater and music period who like weaved all this together over six years. It just, I, I can't even believe it. Like there's a line in uh, one of the songs uh, about um, Macbeth. It's I think it's um, take a break. It's early on. And so he's sort of saying, you know, to uh, Angelica, like, you know, this is another Scottish tragedy. You know, I, I hope you can guess it without me saying the play. Uh, they think of me, Macbeth, you know, and Monroe is, is MacGuff and, and like at the end it's like, and it's, it's all, so like in the theater, if you, if you say the words Macbeth outside of the play, outside of performance, it's considered really bad luck. You know, it's, it's a, it's kind of one of those like urban legends in theater, like something right. bad's gonna happen to you if you say the words Macbeth. And so he's, thing that's like within a story like it's writing a letter to Angelica making this reference that's like it's layered within all these I'm the Shakespeare character I'm these two other Shakespeare characters and like I'm afraid that like you know Congress is Burnham Wood you know coming on the castle where Macbeth was the witches have said you know you'll, you'll be fine as long as Burnham Wood doesn't ever come to the castles whatever and after that moment in the play like, bad stuff starts to happen to, yeah. to Alexander Hamilton. And and so it's like he's almost throwing, like, a little wink at, like, the theater nerds out there who know you shouldn't say Macbeth. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that, when I realized that, as sitting in the theater, I heard that line, and I was, like, it kept sticking to me. It's sort of turning over in my head as it went on, and I was like, oh, my God, like... <laughs> Wow! It just blew me away. I just couldn't believe that what I was sort of seeing.
0: Yeah, you know, you know what it reminds me of a little bit. I mean, not you know, I don't, I don't want to ruin um, you know the the movie for anybody, but you know, you know the end of The Usual Suspects when, which yeah. is obviously one of the great endings in movies. But there's a there's a moment where you realize how deep the mind has gone. I don't I don't want to say anything mm-hmm. beyond that uh, in case you haven't mm-hmm. seen it. But you know, how there's a, there's this moment where you're like, oh my god, all of these little things we part mm-hmm. that's what it reminds you. it's like there's so many different layers and it's almost like the the you know the the more you dig into the into the music the more there is it, it, it there's yeah. it's just like like there's little inside jokes and there's little and there's little thoughts and there's little you know there's there's there're little just sort of side things you know then that you just i think that's what it is you know and that's really the big question so when you go and see it You've obviously spent a ton of money. I mean, you know, an, an absurd amount of money, more money than I would ever spend on anything else. Um, yeah. and
1: uh, t- like, too much money, so like, I've, I've never said it out loud because i would be embarrassed.
0: And me like, too. Me too. I'm, I, and, I and I won't. And we ever- should
1: talk about that privilege fast at some point because it's like, <laughs> I feel there's a little tiny bit of guilt in me almost. It's like, here's this amazing thing that I'm, like, boasting about. Like, I, I'm not boasting about, but, like, praising, like, saying how much I love this or whatever. And like it's it's almost impossible to ninety five percent of the population see it, you know, at yeah. least until it goes around the country and the tickets aren't like a, like the equivalent of selling a kidney.
0: No, it is. I, I mean, I I feel totally guilty for doing it. Here's the thing: both of us did, and 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 you know, this this somewhat alleviates the guilt. Uh, is we did it for somebody else. You know, we did it for Correct. You did yeah. it for your wife. I did it for my daughter. I wouldn't have ever done it for myself. Um, mm-hmm. But we both got to see the show, so so you know we, we didn't we didn't let into somebody else go. You know, I mean, I could have let my wife go, I suppose. You know, but the point being, so you spend all this money and and you you build this up in your mind, and then you go in the theater, and then the experience of seeing the show for you, what was what was that experience like?
1: Uh, I just kept smiling. I mean, I knew like. How much fun my wife is having, and the sort of you know the the energy of the theater. I think is a really exactly. unique thing. The yes. theater people talk about it all the time. Like it's why people essentially work they do take time off for movies, actors to do the theater because like you can't duplicate the energy like being on television or being in a movie. Like it's just so fun. I think to to feel that to be on stage and to suck up that energy every single night. And you know, I was really like loving it. And I had listened to the first act on CD. A couple times, not to where like I could get to memorize any of the words, but like I sort of picked up, think oh, this is fun, whatever. And I had purposely not listened to any of the second act, uh, cause I wanted to sort of, I probably, I thought, like, I don't want to be surprised, but I don't really want to know, like, everything that's coming. And as you know, like, as you wrote about, the second act begins with Jefferson's introduction yes. and Leslie Autumn Jr. saying, you know, like, you haven't met him yet because he's been over kicking ass as ambassador of France. And then, David Diggs comes dancing down the stairs (laughs) in this purple coat, looking exactly like Prince, like you said. And it's honestly like one of the funnest moments watching art that I've ever seen. Like you cannot, whenever I see like little minor like Hamilton backlash, someone being like, oh, it can't be that good or Hamilton's not for me. My first thought is, uh, you, you haven't seen it. Yeah, Because no one who could watch that and not smile their ass off and be like, this is so much fun. I just don't believe it because that moment, he is so great in that moment. His energy, it's he is Thomas Jefferson, right? Like, you you 100% are like buying it. And you're also like, this is so much fun to think of Thomas Jefferson like just dancing around, being like, hey guys, you (laughs) won a revolution. Whoa, all right. Let me come in and lecture you about ideals of freedom. I just, I could not stop smiling. That was so, that was kind of my like moment where I was like, this is truly one of my favorite things about the seen.
0: Yeah, I I I think that's that's the point. First of all, the the play itself is such there there's so many layers of genius like we've already talked about. And one of them is that one of them is that Tam- that Jefferson you don't see him at the first act. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. David Diggs is playing Lafayette in the first act. Mm-hmm. Where he's fantastic, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and then you're right, then the second act begins and it's like you know, you're, you're sort of in this lost world. You know, you, 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 you get so sucked into it. You're just, you're just thinking you're, you're in the revolution and it's, and, and Washington is, is, you know, all the odds are against him and Hamilton is, is desperate to like advance his career and Lafayette is coming in and he's this genius of, 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 uh, you know, tech, tactics and everything. And you have all these things going on in your mind. And then it ends. And then the second half begins and you're like, I had totally forgotten Thomas Jefferson even was like that, at that time. You know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, Thomas Jefferson was kind of a major character too, right? Yeah. And he shows up and you're right. I mean, and he's so fun. And, and you now that's part of, I think what makes it so cool to see live. And I'm really excited that it's now going to be touring the country. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. you know, sure, we're going to get to see, you know, we got to see the original cast and that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And everyone, I mean, Leslie Odom Jr. is just, no, beyond, not. beyond great and, and obviously V. Diggs and, and Lynn and all those guys are amazing. Um, but I, I, the show is going to be such a, such a wonder no matter who's playing. I mean, assuming you get good people, which they will. So it's going to be in Chicago. It's going to be in San Francisco and next year. It's coming basically everywhere. It's coming to Charlotte. It's probably coming to Baltimore. I mean, it's, it's going basically everywhere. And I think it's going to be that kind of fun for everybody. I mean, especially if you didn't spend you know the the outrageous <laughs> sum of money to see it um I think the show itself, yes, all of the people in it are amazing, mm-hmm. but the show itself is it's just transcendent, it just takes you to a place i I went in fully expecting to love it, uh fully expecting to to know how it was going to impact elizabeth's life and and that was mm-hmm. for me that was what it was all about, but I came out of that just going, I've just been to like an experience that took me places. You know, there are times for me when a Bruce Springsteen concert could take me to a certain place, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and there are other musicians that have done it for, you know, and you're not there the whole time, but you're there for a few minutes at a time. This was like three hours of being in that place. Like at no yep. point during the entire show did I feel like I wasn't in that place where I was I'd rather be here than any place in the world.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like, to me, it was like, they used to say about JK Rowling with Harry Potter stuff is that like, she created a universe. Like it wasn't just a story. It was like, you know, you knew that there was like every character in the story also had their own backstory and also had like their place they went off to. And even if you didn't get to see some, all of that, you got to see little snippets of it. And it's so like the, the juggling act to fit all that together to me, I think, the best testament I think you could sort of could say about it is Lynn wrote this show where he has always amazing characters so that in every scene he is arguably like the second most important character. Right. Like he's the most important character in the show. But like when he's with Chris Washington who plays George Washington, like George Washington is the sort of most commanding presence in the thing. Yes. And he, when he's arguing with Jefferson, like you're really compelled to see like how he plays off of Jefferson. It's never like you know, even, and Aaron Burr, like, how do you redeem, partially redeem anyway, one of the great villains in history? Well, you give him a story of like, he's kind of nervous to sort of go for something in his life, and he's in love with this woman who he shouldn't really be in love with, and he has this daughter that he cares about, and it feels like Hamilton sort of insulted him in every turn and gotten all his breaks, and I, I, like, Leslie Odom is so good, and his voice is so powerful, that I came away from being like, man, like, I almost kind of like Aaron Burr. Yeah. I think yeah although well, no. one of the best lines is in the first act is when uh when Lafayette you Burr the worst you're the worst <laughs> <laughs>
0: Get away. It's,
1: oh, bur, you're the worst, bur, you're
0: the worst. <laughs> yeah it. everything uh yeah, burr is I, I think there was something i was thinking about when when uh it was sweeping all of those Tonys and they put they could have put one of like you know, 30 different scenes on there, but they ended up putting the, you know, the, the fight and, and, uh, and it struck me again. And I don't know how exactly you describe this, but I think you hit a, you hit it in this way. There's such a generosity in the book, in the script. He doesn't give the best lines to Hamilton. He gives all the best yeah. lines to Jefferson and to Washington and to, and to Burr and to Lafayette. And you know Hamilton's fantastic, but yeah. you know every time I ask Elizabeth and I and I ask her this all the time, like, "All right, who are your favorite characters?" Hamilton is never. I mean, it's like Hamilton's yeah. like that. Just he's he's like the you know he's almost like the Bob Newhart of the of the show where mm-hmm. he's there and he's the one that keeps the string going, and it's obviously the story of his life, but. How can you not love like, you know, I mean, she loves Hercules Mulligan and, and, uh, yeah. you know, and John Lawrence and all of these relatively, again, relatively minor characters. Um, but they're so powerful in the show. He gives everybody, I mean, all the Skylar sisters, ex- except for Peggy, get like these incredible <laughs> lines and songs. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a real generosity. Everybody gets. The show. The show is truly mm-hmm. an ensemble. I was trying to figure out. So Leslie Odom won for best actor, uh, Correct, and Devi yeah. Diggs won for best feature actor. But I, I don't really think that Leslie Odom is on stage more necessarily than DeV Diggs is. I mean, I don't. You know what I mean? I mean, it's yeah. like they're they're pretty equal. They're all pretty equal. Yes. Yeah. You know, and
1: that's And plus, Devi Diggs like two different characters. That's right.
0: <laughs> like, you
1: know, that's. I mean. The, the layering of it, the, you know, just sort of the way that it all like i it's like watching someone juggle fifteen different ingredients right. and then all of a sudden they've made a pie or something. <laughs> like it, you know you don't even know like how it happens, but you're just like blown away by it i I mean, I wish I could sell another kidney and go see it again just to sort of like watch different parts of it uh because you're it's like it overwhelms your senses a little bit of like how cool it is I mean the choreography the the fact that there has a two like stages in the middle that are sort of constantly like turning like turntables and the way that they all kind of use that movement to, to set the scene. I mean, it's not like it's a complicated set. Like it's, it's just that. And like some, you know, a balcony and some a set of stairs and that's it. And they, all of the rest of it is in your imagination.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I have to ask you, uh, what was your, what was your wife's reaction? And are you basically, how long do you get to be husband of the year? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think a long time, uh, although who knows, as uh, you know, it'd be buried. Those things, uh, last shorter than maybe you hope they will. But, um, she was like in like crying happy tears yeah. for the first 15, 20 minutes, just being so excited. Uh, at the fact that, I mean, I, you know, I, I had planned this trip, uh, and I planned where we are going to stay, and where we are going to eat dinner and stuff. And so it was a uh, kind of nice, um, moment, you know, and being a, a partner and husband for that, but just to sort of, like, she had been obsessing about it, and then all of a sudden, you know, Lynn steps out on stage as Alexander Hamilton, and I think that she just, like, bursts into tears at that yeah. point, like, oh my god, like, we're we're here, and this is awesome. And we couldn't stop talking about it for three days. After, so.
0: Yeah, no, that, I think that, to me, is the best part. I mean, obviously, the show is so good, but the the reaction for me, obviously, of, of my daughter and then and then me writing about it and then all of the sort of, uh, you know, Lynn reaching out and all that was, was really, really mm-hmm. cool. But just the, it's changed her in a way. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's something, you know, and I think there are moments like that, you know, and obviously when we get older, it's harder to see. But it's like there are events and times and things that we get to see and do. That do that fundamentally change us at least a little bit it's almost like we can, we've seen with, with this one it's like we've seen something that's like oh that's that's how good it can be, you know that's how good yeah. art can be and and uh, yep. oh, what a gift you know, yeah,
1: you know what I thought a lot of too as I was thinking about like, oh gosh, this is pretty expensive and then I thought to myself I, I think I've tried to feel this way in, as i I get closer to forty and thirty eight is that I would much rather have. Experiences than possessions, right. you know. At this point in my life, because I have enough things. Like, it, it, you start to look around your house at some point in your life, especially as you have kids, and you think, "Oh my god! Like, can I just get rid of half this stuff?" But like, the memories that you get you get to have unlimited memories in your brain, and so like, paying that much money for that as opposed to like, you know, getting a new car a year earlier when my next one dies, or making extra mortgage money or doing whatever. Like, I'm very privileged that I get to sort of make that choice. I don't want to, like, not acknowledge, like, how kind of, like, gross that is to sort of say to someone who's working paycheck to paycheck. But, like, the memories of that, like, I've worked pretty hard. And so the memories of that are pretty valuable to me to be able to get to do that. That's, that's what I sort of take away as, uh, more memories, less stuff in the future.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. And I think you're right. Look, we're very, very lucky, obviously. And that's why I'm really excited about it going national. Cause I think, it's, it's a show that everybody should see. It's a show that, that a vast, there, there, there will be people who will go and go, nah, I don't get it. Right? Cause, cause yeah. there, there are always people like that. And, and that's nothing wrong with that. Maybe they like, you know, the Lombardi Broadway show. I don't know. But, sure. um, but. Most people run a
1: trap, run a trap, <laughs> run across. i trying to think of, I'm trying to think of songs.
0: You could do trap. that. You could do. We need a seal here and a seal here and run it up the alley.
1: waiting know? isn't everything; <laughs> it's the only thing.
0: So, uh, but I, I really do think for most people, and certainly a lot of people I know, and a lot of people that I've heard of from, and and all of that, it, it's just going to be. It's just like I say it's transcendent it's a transcendent experience mm-hmm. and I and I I'm really really hopeful that everybody you know when it comes to their town and and you know, it'll still be expensive I mean but it won't be yeah. it won't be insane but it'll be worth it it's worth it's it's yeah. I mean it really is it's a reminder I think and I don't know when the last time we've had that reminder probably been you know probably a movie or something in the last couple of years that have given that reminder but it's just a reminder of what what art can be, you know, it's just a reminder yeah. of where art can take you. And, and I don't, we don't get that that often. I mean, I just don't think yeah. there's been that many things that are just that good, you know?
1: Well, it's almost like a, a testament to, like, I mean, we, you know, you've got Trump talking about, like, America, make America great again, all stuff to share we I won't get into politics, but like, no, we're not. It's <laughs> a testament, it's a testament to, like, how great America is in a yeah. lot of ways in terms yeah. of art, because here you have this, this, Ben Manuel Miranda, the son of immigrants, coming here and like taking one of the oldest like American sort of traditions, of Broadway musical, and fusing it with one of the like sort of more recent American traditions of hip hop music and pop music, or whatever, and and blending that all together to tell a story about America, about arguably like our most important immigrant. Like yeah. when you think of that like that, like you're just like, oh my god, like. That's amazing. Like, and you wish, I wish they could show this in schools. You know, I wish that like every single like freshman kid who goes to high school could go watch Hamilton. That's how much it would sort of make history kind of fun and make you understand that like, you know, the story isn't boring. This story is like really fascinating. And here's a way to tell it in a compelling, fascinating way.
0: I I totally agree. And it tells you that this is, this to me is you want to talk about, what makes America great? In all in all seriousness, and it is celebrating how different we are and how much we are the same. Who else could have read Chernow's book on Hamilton mm-hmm. and come up with that show? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like who else? Who else's mind would have gone there? It's like this. We this. How proud are we to be in the same country as as Lin Manuel? I mean that there is a person that yeah, that's that guy's an American and 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 you know that's how much pride should we take in that sort of thing? And, and I think we do, we do lose that. I mean, that is, that is, that is so much a part of who we are is that Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you, you need to be someone like Lynn to, to do something this magical, you know? And then, you know, then there are people who do this magic with books and there are people who do this magic with movies and magic with, 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 you know, poetry and art and, and, and all sorts of other things. But, but, it's because we don't think the same. I I could I could read totally. Churnell's book of ten thousand times and never go there, you know, and yeah. and I think that's I think that's really really cool. It's just cool. I, I've always I
1: I don't remember where I read this. I wish I knew because I would love to give credit. But like the best sort of part about America is it's just this beautiful messy tapestry of all these thing different things that are sewn together, and that's what kind of makes it cool, like that that it is, like, hip-hop is a huge part of our tradition, and that came from, you know, from spoken word poetry that came, you know, from jazz and and came from all this other stuff, and all of that matters just as much as, you know, as Andrew Lloyd Webber in a lot of ways now, and that and and it matters because Lynn was guys like Lynn were able to sort of see it and say you know what, I can tell this story through this, and I can make it relevant to a whole new generation of people, It just makes you Proud, like I get, like emotional
0: thinking about. it. That's exactly right. That's uh, that's exactly right. I just get proud and 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 emotional about it. So, well, this has been fantastic, Kevin. We, you and I, yeah. as sports people, talked about Hamilton.
1: <laughs> hey, I you know when Lynn makes another play, I'll be happy to come back and talk for another hour. There you go. So, see you in, see you in six years, maybe. Is it, yeah, how fascinating is it that he's like he wrote a Disney movie in the midst of this? Like he's writing essays for the New York Times, like. I don't, you know, you have a ridiculous, like, work, like, productivity rate, so maybe, like, I should study you at, like I would study Lynn, but, like, the fact that he's juggling all this stuff and still, like, writing more songs and doing different just blows my mind.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Well, you know, I am, I am as you know, I'm writing a book on Harry Houdini, so I'm thinking mm-hmm. that, I think that's Lynn's next play right there. Perfect. <laughs> Harry Houdini. I like I'll, it. I'll, I'll see I, if I can I get in a touch with Michael's
1: as our friend michael said they will always try to turn things into a musical first at some point in the process and, uh, then bring it back to well maybe it's we see it more as a play well maybe it's, maybe it's a comedy maybe it's a comedy so, so
0: yeah, you never know
1: <laughs> well kevin thank you so much thank you Jeff.